0: You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. If you've got a Bible,
1: go to Acts chapter 18. We're still in Acts 18. I know it feels like we've been there for a couple years, uh, but uh, we're, we're still there in Acts 18, and we're going to continue. Last week, we talked about, and we saw from Acts chapter 18, um, how who we fellowship with, who we hang out with, who we're around, who we fellowship with. Uh, truly, does matter. It, it is important to that who we who we fellowship with, who we're a part of, who we're together with. And as we continue in Acts 8, chapter eighteen, we're going to see how Paul and those he fellowships with continue to advance the gospel. Continue to advance the gospel in the places where they are. So we're going to start actually in verse eighteen. Uh, so we'll uh, we'll just jump right in into verse eighteen. Um. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria. And with him was Priscilla and Aquila. Remember, that's husband and wife duo. Um, they were, remember, if you remember from the text, they were in Rome, but the emperor kicked them out because they're Jews. So now they're they're with Paul. They make tents together, as we saw last week. Um and so Priscilla and Aquila are now with him, and at Caesarea, he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow, and they came to Ephesus, and he left, or I'm sorry, left them there. But he himself went on into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they had asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. Now, I think this is interesting because he's gone into, if you read, remember the text, he's gone into synagogue after synagogue and he tries to reason with him. And what happens? Um, he gets kicked out. He gets mocked. He gets beat. He gets all kinds of stuff. Now they're like, hey, wait, don't leave. Stay. And what's his response? I love this. Um, but he um, He declined. Why did he, and he said, well, wait a minute, Caleb. Why in the world would he decline? Well, let's keep reading verse 21. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus. And when he had landed in Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia. And, oh man, I I worked on this too. (laughs) Phygia, and strengthened all the disciples. So we're going to stop there for just a minute, and then we're going to keep going. But we see here in the text, he's back in the synagogue, he's reasoning with the Jews in Ephesus, but when he's asked to stay longer this time, he says, listen, um, I, I can't. I'm going to decline. And why does he decline? Because God has something else for him to do. He has other places to go. The God said, "Listen, you're going to go to another place." But he doesn't. He he wasn't. He didn't leave them with, "Man, I don't really don't want to be here. I can't stand you all." He he what? He said, "I want to come back. I will come back if God allows me to. I will come back if God allows me." And when he makes plans, when, when we make plans, we need to always have in mind that this is, if God wants me to do this, because here's what will happen a lot of times. You and I will we'll, we'll say, hey, next week, man, can you come do this with me? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, I'll do that. I'll go with you. I'll, I'll go with you. Hey, can you go with me here? Can you do this next week? Hey, in a month, can we do this? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Well, I, I, we, need to, we need to change our mindset. Because we we don't know what God has for us to do. And listen, if God doesn't want us to go these certain places, we need not worry ourselves about it. James chapter 4 verse 13 through 17 says, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town. And we'll spend a year there and we'll trade and we'll make profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead you ought to say if the Lord wills we will if the Lord wills we will live and do this or that. As it is, boast if you as it is, you boast in arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows to do right and fails to do it that is to him sin so like I've sort of kind of changed my course if you listen hey can you come do this man if, if it's God's will hey can you come be a part of this event can you come be a part of this thing hey do you want to go here to this thing and instead of going oh yeah yeah let me put it on my calendar let me check my schedule let me see I say if God wants me to do it I'll do it because here's the deal if God wants me to do it guess what I'm gonna do it amen if God wants me to be a part of something, I'm going to be a part of that. So many years ago, I stopped using certain language when people would ask me to come. Hey, next week, we're going to, you want to go do lunch next week? Sure, I'd love to. Because that's the easy thing to say. And it, it does sound strange to say, hey, if God, asks, if God wants me to. It, doesn't that sound strange? But man, we're supposed to be peculiar people, amen? The scripture calls us to be peculiar people. Tyler, you did. You know, don't look at Kylie like that. But this is, this is because, here's the deal. None of us know what tomorrow brings. None of us know what tomorrow brings. Because I promise you, my friend Dennis Nix, when he went to bed last Saturday night, he had in his mind, well, I'm going to wake up and go to church. That's what he thought. Amen? Guess what? God had other plans. Scripture says What? It is appointed unto man once to die. God's got an appointment for certain people. And listen, we all think it's coming for somebody else. We don't know. The scripture just, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Shoot, we don't know what the next 20 seconds is going to bring. Amen? We have no clue. But I do know who holds my tomorrow. I know who holds the next 10 billion years. And that's all written out and secure. Amen? The Lord Jesus Christ handles this whole thing. So this is exactly what Paul does here. Um, he, he's, he's not against staying with the folks in the synagogue but he understands God's desire is something, there's much something much more fantastic at, at stake here God's got a plan for Paul and so instead of saying, you know what no God, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go do what you want me to do, I'm gonna stay right here guess what, that's when Paul's ministry would have dried right up but he, he's listening to the Lord Jesus Christ doing what God t- told him to do and when Paul and, and what Paul is doing here is, is he says, God, I'm going to follow your instruction. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to, I'm going to, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. Wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. However you want me to do it, I'll do it. May have, He may have been afraid. He may have been nervous, but guess what? He did what God told him to do. And so many of us need to get out of this little box mindset that God only has me to do certain things in certain places and that's it. man. Our God is so much more vast. He is so much more spectacular. He is so much more glorious. Amen? And instead of putting, well, God's got me doing this one little tiny thing. Well, guess what? God might have you do something completely different. So you got, we've got to change our mindset. If God wants you to do something outside of your comfort zone, you should do it. I'm going to pick on Chancey for a second. Chancey, was that outside of your comfort zone, brother? That's outside of his comfort zone. But guess what? When I asked him to do it, I say last time, hey brother, would you do this? He's like, without hesitation, I'm in. If God wants me to do it, I'm in. That's what he said. If God wants me to do it, I want to do it. No hesitation. No, it just okay. But was he nervous? He told me this morning. I Man, grabbed him up, and hugged him this morning, prayed over him, said God just comfort him, give him wisdom, give him protection. Because he told me, he's like, I'm nervous. Jenny, was he nervous? But guess what? God was with him. And guess what? As I, I listened to y'all sing. So fantastic. It's glorious. I got to hear, I mean, and guess what? Chancey was used by God to lead you guys into the throne room of grace. There's a gift in that. There's a blessing in that, okay? So just don't ever think, oh, not me. Not me, because God just might have a plan for you. God just might have a direction for you. You just got to be obedient to what he calls you to do, amen? You just got to do what he's called you to do. So, if God wants you to do something outside of your comfort zone, then God's going to provide a way for you to do it. God will always provide a way for you to do what's uncomfortable. Right? All right. Now, this next part is unclear why Paul cuts his hair or why he was under what kind of vow. The, the research that I did, a little bit of research I did, was maybe possibly he had a Nazarite vow. And he didn 't cut his hair during the season now somebody else that had a Nazarite vow was Samson in the Old Testament he didn 't cut his hair because he was it was a sign that he was devoted to studying the Word of God knowing God being close to God it was a sign that he was not uh, that he was close to God by not cutting his hair now that's Unclear, but that's the research that I've done. That's probably what he was doing. He was putting all his focus, all his all of his energy on knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, studying the Word, getting to where he could um, preach the gospel well. And then he's while he was in that specific area. Now that he's left that area and he moves into this different area, um, we, we, he cuts his hair and 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 has something does something a little bit different here. So, which makes sense because. Paul's is about to embark on a missionary, a massive missionary tour. We're going to see this here through the text. He goes all over the place. Scripture says he goes to and fro all over this area, preaching the gospel to hundreds, maybe even thousands of people. So we see this happen here. Let's unpack verse 22 and 23 real quick. Let's look at that. Um, when Paul landed in Caesarea, he went up to greet the church and when he went down to and then he went down to Antioch speaking to some who were there and he departed and went from one place to the next through all the regions of Galatia. So he's going in and out and traveling all through this area. So he lands in Caesarea, he greets the church, he ministers to them there and then he brings the, goes on this massive tour to and fro all over to these different areas into the churches to strengthen the disciples. That's that was his, his whole idea here is to, to strengthen all the disciples. So he's going into all these churches and he's literally doing the the work of evangelism and ministering and edifying the church. He's edifying the church through this embarked mission and he, He's with Priscilla and Aquila. Remember, Priscilla and Aquila are with him. We see that in the text. And they're mutually encouraging one another. He's got a brother and a sister with him that are mutually encouraging him. And I I can't overemphasize this enough. It is the importance of Christian brotherhood, the importance of Christian fellowship. It is life for us. The, the, The people that I know that follow the Lord Jesus Christ have other people around them to encourage them, pray for them, and minister to, the, to them. We have got to be in fellowship with one another. Or man, it is going—it's vital for your walk. It's vital for your, your your strengthening to be in fellowship with someone who loves the Lord Jesus Christ. It is so incredibly vital. Um, I just—I cannot overemphasize this idea here that this is what we need to be doing. So as you're walking through this week, encourage someone who you know is a fellow brother or sister. Figure out a way to come alongside them and speak loving truth into their life that encourages them, that builds them up, that pushes them towards knowing the Lord Jesus Christ in a more intimate and more vital way. It's it so, so important. I, can't, I just can't push this enough. Let's let's keep going in the text, verse 24. Um, So, we're going to meet a new guy here. His name's Apollo. Apollos, sorry. Now, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came up to Ephesus. And he was an eloquent man, he was competent in the scriptures, He, he he had been instructed in the ways of the Lord, and being Fervent in the spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he only knew about the baptism of John. Now, we're going to see next time we're in in chapter 19 here in a couple weeks. We're going to see how that plays out in chapter 19, how certain believers only knew certain things about Jesus. They knew certain things about just the baptism of John. They only knew certain things. And so, this brother was competent. He was eloquent. He could he could communicate well. He was a fantastic guy. This, this brother in the text, um, he was incredibly eloquent. So, this means that he was somewhat educated in the text, and he poured over what scriptures he had. The scriptures that he did have, the, the, the revelation of God that he did have, he poured over this text and he knew this text well and here's the thing you don't have to have a doctor's degree to pour over the scriptures you do not have to have a degree in some sort of theological training to pour over the text the text is available for you to pour over today amen nobody on nobody amen on that one all right just checking I, you don't have to do this. If you're a Christian, that should be a desire that is in you. The desire to want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ should be in you as a believer. And if that's not in you, there might be a problem. You should want to know more about who God is. Like, listen, dear believer, it is vital that you and I pour over the word daily. Daily. It is important to read over the word daily. And I was in a friend's house yesterday. And um, he, he actually was out of town. But I was in his house. I just crashed at his house for a couple of hours. And found his, one of his Bibles. And just happened to open it up. And just read through his notes. I took a couple of pictures on my phone. And had detailed notes over who over who Jesus is, over what Christ has done. Man, I just as I read through the text and what he was writing out, this guy pours over the text. He gets up early, makes himself a cup of coffee and studies the word. You and I as believers should be pouring over the text, reading it and asking God to reveal what he wants for us to do. Amen. Like this is this is vital to our life in this world, and if you're only if this is the only Bible you get during the week, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, you're not getting very much. And we are at war. We are in a spiritual battle. And if you're only getting this during this hour, two hours that we are together, I'm telling you, you are spiritually now mal- malnourished, and you need more than just today. This is a you know you know why you come here to get built up, to get encouraged, to get yourself. Ready for the next week. And then guess what? Tomorrow morning, open this up. Read it. Study it. Start with a... This is, this is what I tell people. Start with the book of James and just read the book of James. Start with James and then read a proverb. Start with... Then go from James, go to John. Read John. Keep reading Proverbs and Psalms. This, that's, my, that's my prescription for you guys. Start in James. That's just the shoe leather of Christianity. That's walking shoes for Christianity. The book of James. Just, just get in and pour over the Scriptures. Pour over it. If you're a Christian, that should be a desire you have. It is It is the only thing that can and will sustain us in the days to come. The Word of God must be the primary tool, the primary weapon that we have in our hands to be able to refute the enemy. Because, the listen, the enemy knows the Bible better than most of us in this room. Satan knows this better than most Christians. He twists it, but he knows it. And if you don't know it, you can be deceived. Every remember what what did Satan do in the desert with Jesus during that 40 days? He used he, he twisted the Bible. He knew certain things. Hey, listen, the angel, but scripture says that your feet won't be harmed, and angels will protect you. Why don't you just throw yourself down off this temple? What did Jesus do? Actually, you know what? The word says this. Don't test your Lord. Don't test the Lord your God. Every time. Why don't you turn that, that stone into bread? Why don't you just turn that stone into bread? Jesus says, the word says, don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He refutes the enemy's attacks with the word. This is the prescription for believers. We are to use the word as the primary. It's the reason it's called a sword. What do you do with a sword? You don't sheath that thing and keep it in. Oh, I don't want to get it out. The enemy comes attacking. You pull the sword out and you go on the not just offense, but you do both defense and offense. Go in, try to take him out. It is vital. That you and I pour over the scriptures on a regular basis. It is the only thing that's going to refute the enemy's attacks and the ability for you to make war on your own sinfulness. If you know the word, you will make war on your sin more often. It will happen. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 through 5 tells us what this is. Listen to this. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to be able to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So, so we see in the text here that we are actually in a war. I just told you yes, we're in a war. The Bible clarifies and concretes this idea that we are in a war because we've been given the weapons to wage war. We've been given weapons by the Lord Jesus Christ to wage war on our own sinfulness and the enemy. And so oftentimes the enemy, as a master liar and a master manipulator, does a bang-up job of making us as Christ followers believe that there really is no war. Ah, you don't need to worry about that. Don't worry about that war. There's, ah, There's more important things to worry about. Don't you worry. Listen, it's not Republican versus Democrat. It's not communism versus capitalism. It is Satan versus God in every area of life. Everything that you see, every battle that you see is Satan versus God. It is period. That is. It is the truth. That is where the, the ultimate war, the ultimate battle is good versus evil. And so what the enemy does is he Lies and he whispers and he tells you, listen, it's not really a battle. You don't really need to engage. You really don't need to be worried about this. You just worry about the thing. You Go do your thing. You work your job and you go play your ball and you go do the things you want to do. But don't you worry about that thing in the Bible. Don't you worry about that stuff at church. Don't worry about any of those things. You just keep on doing you. You just keep doing you. Listen, We have, like, he's done a bang up job to make us believe that there's no war, there's no battle whatsoever, and so therefore most Christians don't even show up for the fight. But here's the thing the devil doesn't want you to know who you are. If most of us stepped into what God truly had for us to do, we'd be unstoppable. We'd be unstoppable in this world if we understood who we were. Listen, You, and I'm not talking about your neighbor, you as a believer have been designed by God to make trouble for the forces of darkness. I know we're Baptists, but we should get a little Pentecostal on that one. Like, you and I have been designed by God to be able to make war against the forces of darkness. These weapons that you've been given have divine power to be able to destroy strongholds, to be able to destroy the world of Satan. And trust me, the enemy has strongholds on this world. We see his filth everywhere. And if you're not, if, if you do a little bit of digging, you can find things that are even more filthy that most humanity doesn't even want to see. You do a little bit of digging to see well, I've learned over the last couple of weeks about some stuff with human trafficking. 98 kids found on the border of Arizona and Mexico in cages and these kids are captured and they put in cages and they're bred and they take those babies that don't have any birth certificates or any legal documentation and they sell them to the church of Satan for sacrifices. That's happening in America. I found that out this week. Um, I'm hoping to be partnering soon with a group to try to fight that. Try to get some of those kids back and rehabilitate them into actual life and given the gospel but that's happening right now the enemy is the filth that's happening it's just absolutely jaw-dropping but salt and light were made to do something amazing some amazing things according to the text salt preserves good preserves holiness to keep rot and decay away light exposes darkness for what it is darkness Hear me on this. I'm telling you, all we need to do is we need to have a mental shift. We need a spiritual shift on what you are and how God's designed you to be. God's designs you as a Christ follower to do amazing and spectacular things. And I'm 110% sure that when we... Get a mindset change towards the ideas of what, of how God's made you to be. I'm telling you, your entire personality shifts because of this thing that God is doing in your heart. I'm telling you, go a little bit, go back. I want to read out of the New Living Translation, that 2 Corinthians chapter 10, listen to this. We are designed by God to destroy arguments and agreements of all kinds that come up against Christ. I I love this. We destroy, listen to this, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. This is what it says in the New Living Translation. I love this. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Now listen, that's what you've been made for right there. That's what you as a believer have been made for right there. We have weapons that can destroy every prideful obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. But listen, this, this again is why it is so important that we pour, 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 pour over the scriptures. Because if we don't know that we have these weapons, that we have these tools, we'll never be able to wage war on our own sin. And we'll never be able to wage war on our own pridefulness and the obstacles that keep us from the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, we will not be able to do anything else to help anybody else in the world. Revival starts in the mirror. Revival starts in the mirror listen this is exactly what the enemy wants for you to keep quiet for you not to know who you are well, Caleb I don't have those abilities I don't have those skills hogwash yes you do yes you do you have been the text says we destroy every proud obstacle we is us by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ we get to do this like listen listen You and I, in a couple of days, we're fixing to enter into an entire month where we're going to see filth on display for the month of June. We're about to enter into a month that is filled with pride. In fact, that's the title of the month. Pride Month. Pride is the downfall of humanity. And you and I are designed by God to step into these this next month and proclaim the actual authority of who God is and what He's created in this world and we don't have to apologize for the way God made us and that we are made for a certain purpose. Amen? We don't have to apologize for that. We are not God's PR firm that needs to try to help explain His position on sexuality. He's already told us what it is. Amen? He's already told us what it is. We just have to remain true and faithful to the text. Proverbs 18, or 16, 18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. The only thing necessary for, this is a quote, it's from a guy named John Stuart Mill, the only thing necessary to triumph, for the triumph of evil, is for good men to do nothing. Now, the only reason there's any good in men at all in this world is because Christ has redeemed them. Outside of Christ's redemptive work in man's heart, all men are wicked and depraved regardless of how nice they are. Regardless of how nice they are. If Christ hasn't redeemed you, you're not good, you're just nice. We must walk in the power of the Holy Ghost to be able to accomplish Anything that's lasting or good. We have to. This month, one of the things I did, I recorded a podcast this, uh, last week with my friend Stephen Black. I'm going to get him up here soon. Um, He's got an incredible testimony. He runs a ministry called First Stone Ministry. And he is on the forefront of the transgender homosexuality um, thing. He's a former homosexual. Saved and redeemed um, by Christ. And he is now making his mission to try to educate and preach the gospel in those realms. And you talk about a man who's under a constant attack from people as high, as, high up as the federal government. Because of his stance on homosexuality, his stance on transgenderism. Incredible testimony. So I recorded a 30-minute podcast with him. And the title of it, is How, Do, How Do We as Christians Respond to Pride Month? fantastic conversation with this guy you gotta hear it. I'll have it out first of June so you guys can hear it, but man I'm telling you the only reason the only reason there's any good is because Christ has redeemed us and, and I, I, I'm moved by this second half of this text in 2 Corinthians we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ we have the power of God to capture rebellious spirits and capture rebellious thoughts before they can get even out into the culture and we can, what? Teach them to obey Christ. And so often we think that we'll, we'll need to, to do, you know, this is, this is for other people. This isn't for me. This is directly and first and foremost at you and me. We capture our own rebellious thoughts and our own rebellious mindset first, and then as a result of capturing our own rebellious thoughts, we can then go into the world and make trouble for the enemy. James chapter 4 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, and the enemy will flee. So many times, well, I'll, I'll make it, I'm going to make trouble for the enemy, but you won't submit yourself to Christ, you won't repent of your sins, you won't trust Christ, and you're, you're, you're a, you're a dirty plaything of an even dirtier devil period Matthew chapter 7 verses 3 and 4 say why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye or how can you say that your brother to your brother let me take the speck out of your eye when you've got a log jammed in your own face that's Caleb's rendition there verse 5 sorry you hypocrite First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly Clearly, to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So Jesus isn't saying, listen, you can't take a speck out of your brother's eye. He said, yeah, you can, but take the log out of your own face first, and then you can see clearly to do what's necessary to get your brother back in fellowship with you. Before you attempt to capture the rebellious thoughts of other people and point out their sin... Do the same thing in your own house. Do some house cleaning first. And repent where you need to repent. And then, once you've done this, then once you've done what's needed in your own life, you can, in love, remove the speck that's in your brother's eye. You can help capture the rebellious thoughts in someone else when you've destroyed the rebellious spirit in yours. Amen? And then together... We can go out and strive to teach men and women to obey Christ. I'm telling you all right let's go back to Acts I know that was a, you got that one for free this morning <sighs> Acts chapter back to 18 um, 26. So we see we see Apollo here in verse 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogues but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him and explained to him the way of God more accurately, and when he, and when he, I'm sorry, and when he wished when he wished to cross to Archea, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to him, the disciples, and to welcome him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who, through grace, had, had believed. And he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the Scriptures that Christ was Jesus. That the Christ was Jesus. So we see Apollos, who knows a little bit about a Scripture. He, he has poured over the Scriptures that he has. And he the revelation that he has been given, he's poured over. And he knows how to, to articulate the things of God. And he speaks boldly in the places where he's at. But a brother and sister come alongside him and they explain, they say, listen, you don't have the full picture. You've got, the picture you do have is fantastic, but there's more to the picture. Here's who Christ is. You knew about the baptism of John. Let me tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to see next week that that's not the gibberish that we see on TV. It's used for a certain purpose. We, We see that the next time we gather here, but... What we're going to see here is that he powerfully understands because a brother and sister come alongside him and explain to him the ways of God more accurately. And he takes what what has been given to him and then he begins to powerfully refute the enemy. He refutes the Jews in public and shows them that Christ was actually Jesus that you crucified. The Christ, the Jesus you crucified, that was the Christ. And he explains from the position of scripture, this is who Jesus was. And this is why it's so important that that we have brothers and sisters around us. The whole idea of the text is you need brothers and sisters in your life to propel your relationship with God to the next stage. You need each other. There is no such thing as I got this, just me and Jesus. And it's out here by myself. No such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. And it gives you a thing the Lone Ranger had who? Tonto. Tonto. He wasn't by himself. This is why it's important that we have brothers and sisters in, it, in our lives. Community matters, biblical community matters. And being around believers who push you towards Christ, towards holiness, towards righteousness, those things matter. And those things are the things that are actually going to have. Eternal ROIs. Return on investment. You want, you're talking about, everybody's talking about return on investment this, return on investment that. You want eternal return on investment? Trust Christ and get in a community and get into a community that trusts Christ. You should be investing in each other as we all together pour over the scriptures and when we do this, it will stir up in us an affection for the things of God like never before if we are doing this together. Man, if you're reading the Bible, man, tell a friend what you've been reading. If you're reading a book that's, that's a Christian book and, you, and your heart's stirred towards the things of God, tell someone about it. Like, get on the phone. I know that sometimes, man, I don't want to get on the phone because if I get on the phone, I'm going to have to talk to him. Oh, I don't want to do that, Caleb. Man, I'm telling you, the return on investment will be monumental. It will. Like, there are certain people, when I get around them, I can't help but feel my heart and my spirit pulled towards the things of God. And this should be something that occurs with many of us as believers. When, we, when, when we're taught these things about the Lord Jesus Christ, we should want to encourage other brothers and sisters about who Jesus is to show them who Christ is and then have our hearts and our affections stirred towards the things of God. And I'm telling you, that's how we're going to see revival. It's not a one-night event where we have a guy come preach. That was great, but revival is a lasting, lasting road of repentance and faith in trusting the Lord Jesus Christ and being obedient to what God's done for us. It's not a one-night event. It's a lifetime journey. Amen? It's not a one-night event. It's great to have one-night events, but let me tell you, if we're only living in one-night events, that's not going to work. We've got to have a perpetual
0: road and path forward with brothers and sisters to get us to where we need to be. Amen? You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, PO BO Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.